If you would turn with me this morning to Joshua chapter 1. It is located in the Bibles in front of you on page 178. We're starting a new series here in Joshua that we'll be in up until Easter, and then we'll take a little break at Easter, and then we'll come back into it as we head in the summer. So this is Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to go ahead and jump right in and read it, and then we'll see what God has for us this morning as we come to His Word. This is the Word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is God's word. Thanks be to him. Please pray with me. God, we give you thanks for your word. We thank you, as we talked about last week, for the great cloud of witnesses who live by faith, who trusted your promise, whose lives we see on the pages of the scripture. And we pray this morning as we look at Joshua and as we see your people uh, in that particular time that we would see not only their faith in your promise, but the fulfillment of that promise that ultimately comes in Christ Jesus. And that we would fix our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we pray this in his name. Amen. The passing of the torch from one leader to another is something we see uh, often in life in a lot of different ways. A CEO retires, and then there's one appointed to come and take his place. A president's term ends, and another is elected and raised up to serve. A restaurant owner passes down the family recipes, maybe to a family member or to someone who's close to the family, and they take over the restaurant business. And sometimes these transitions of leadership are done well, and other times maybe not so much. I'm going to give a football illustration, and don't worry, it's not about Clemson. <laughs> but uh, when I grew up, uh, back in the 
the good old days of the 80s and 90s. Uh, there were two quarterbacks at that time that were really the best in the game. One was, of course, Joe Montana of the San Francisco 49ers. The other was Dan Marino of the Miami Dolphins. And they were both great players. But toward the end of their time, it was time for another quarterback to come in and lead the team. And so what happened with the 49ers is they had Steve Young, and he was prepared, and he was waiting in the wings. And he ended up being a really good quarterback in his own right. And he led the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl, and they continued to have continuity as a team. And then there's the Miami Dolphins. And Dan Marino retired in 1998. So that's you know, 20 years ago. And since that time, the Miami Dolphins have had 19 different starting quarterbacks and a whole lot of losing seasons. You see, sometimes the transition of leadership can be difficult. and It can be hard to replace a leader. Yet this is how the book of Joshua begins. It begins with the phrase, after the death of Moses. And this is Moses. This is the one who God spoke face-to-face with. Like a man speaks with a friend, according to Exodus 33.11. He's the one who led God's people out of Egypt, across the Red Sea. He's the one who received the Ten Commandments, who came down from Mount Sinai with his face shining as he had seen the glory of the Lord. And the end of the book of Deuteronomy gives us a summary of Moses' death and that leads us into the book of Joshua. It says this, that Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan. And then the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. And so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed, his vigor unabated. The people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Then it says that Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of spirit and wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed Joshua and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And then it says this of Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his servants, and to all his land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Okay, now who wants to go and follow that? Dale Ralph Davis, when a commentator, he says this, what do you have left when everything in the first five, of the, five books of the Bible, everything that has, has been prepared for you ends in a funeral? And then he goes on to say, Moses may die, but God's promise lives on. There's the passing of an era, yet the endurance of the promise. God's fidelity is, does not hinge on the achievements of men, however gifted they may be, nor does it evaporate in the face of funerals or rivers. You see, there was more to come for God's people. The Lord raised up Joshua, and for all the amazing things that Moses did, there was something that God had for Joshua to do that Moses was not permitted or allowed to do. 
And that was to go and claim the promised land that God was giving to his people. Moses was able to see it right there before he died. But now the torch has passed for Joshua to go and lead God's people and to go and claim this land. But how is he going to do it? As we go through the book of Joshua, we'll read of obstacles, of difficulties that would face God's people as they would have to come face to face with the current occupants of the land of Canaan. That they would have to fight battles. They would even have to deal with sin within their own camp. So now we see Joshua. He's been an assistant to Moses. He's commissioned to lead the people of God to take the land that God is giving them. And he's given this command to go and to be strong and courageous. But the question that raises in my mind Well, how are we going to do that? How are we to actually be strong and courageous? How are we to be strong and courageous with the plans and purposes and opportunities that God sets before us? How are we to be strong and courageous when we are full of fear and of doubt? Much like God's people, which I think verse 9 there at the end alludes to, when God says, do not be be frightened, do not be dismayed. It's likely because they were frightened and they were dismayed. So how are we to be strong and courageous in the face of those things? Well, in this passage, we we have three things this morning to help us. And the first is this, is that we have God's promise. We see in verses 2, 3, and 4, and again in verse 6, that God had promised his people a land, a place to call home, a dwelling place. They had spent time in captivity in Egypt. They had been delivered. They had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But now it was time to go to the promised land, to go and to settle there. This was not a new thing. This was not something that God said, okay, your wilderness time is up. Let me go find some land for you. But this is the land of Canaan. And this land was promised long before Joshua, long before Moses even. It actually goes back to Abraham in Genesis 12. It says this there. It says that the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Then it continues on that Abram went and he took uh, Sarai, his wife, with him and Lot with him and all the possessions and all the people. And they went out to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land. And at the time, the Canaanites were there in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring... I will give this land. So Abram there built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So that's the origination of the promise in Genesis 12. And it's repeated again and again throughout Genesis. And then again in Exodus, even when the people are enslaved in Egypt, they're hearing about this promise of the land. Then, of course, to Moses, this promise is later repeated. But we read in Deuteronomy, which is, kind of like the prequel to Joshua, but it's better than the Star Wars prequels, so I encourage you to go read it. In Deuteronomy, we we see that the people of God, when given opportunity to first take the land, that they disobey God. And a whole generation is prevented from being able to go to the promised land. Yet through Joshua and Caleb, God is going to fulfill his promise in the generation that follows. So when it comes to being called to be strong and courageous, 
they are told first that they must remember and believe the promise of God, that He is giving them this land, that He is the one who will make it happen. He is the one who will fight battles on their behalf. He's the one who will move bodies of water for His people to cross. He's done it before, and He will do it again. They're to trust Him as both the promise maker and the promise keeper. Through all the generations since the promise was made to Abraham, through all the events that had happened through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Joseph, through Moses, through the deliverance from Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, the eventual time in the wilderness, the one constant throughout all of that is God himself and his promise that he has made and that he is keeping. What a wonderful reminder that is for us this morning, isn't it? That God is the promise maker and the promise keeper. And that he is faithful to do what he has said. He is powerful and able to accomplish that which he has promised. When we look around and we witness the destruction in our world that comes from broken and unfulfilled promises, whether it's in the government or in our jobs or in our families, or in friendships or neighborhoods, wherever we see these promises broken and unfulfilled, we are comforted this morning as we come to God's word. And we see that God makes and keeps his promises for his glory and for our good. And therefore, we can trust him. We see this ultimately in the, the big picture if we zoom out from Joshua a little bit. And we think about this, this whole promise of the land. And how for us it points to a greater promised land that God has promised us in eternity where we will be in his presence. And that all the promises that are given to us in Scripture, it says in 2 Corinthians, are yes in Jesus Christ. That they are fulfilled. And that even as we, we look back and we see God's faithfulness in fulfilling his promises to the people of old, we also in our time, we look forward. We trust God knowing that he will fulfill the promises he's made to us. So in first, if we're going to be strong and courageous, we have to trust God's promise and trust Him. For Israelites, the promise was of land, but there was also a promise that kind of went along with that. And that's the promise of God's presence, which is the second thing we need to be strong and courageous. Not only is God going to give them the land and do everything necessary to get them there, He Himself is going with them. Verse 5 says, Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 9, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The command for them to be strong and courageous is just not kind of a breaking of the huddle and say, all right, go team, go out there and get them. Go be strong and courageous, I'll be right over here. No, in fact, it's the opposite. It's go be strong and courageous. For the one who is strong and courageous, God himself is going with you. Kids, think about this for a second. And adults, you can maybe think back to this when you were kids. Okay, think about the time that you were afraid. Don't think too long about it, though, because we don't want any issues later today. But think about the time you were afraid. And maybe, I know this was true for me as a kid, and maybe sometimes as an adult. There's that time you wake up in the middle of the night, and it's dark in the house, and you're going to go run to get you know, mom and dad. And so you run across the house as fast as you can, right? Because it's dark. And you're like, it's dark in the middle of the night. And you're afraid. But then you get there, 
And after uh, mom or dad wakes up grumpy, usually what they'll do, they'll take you by the hand, right? And they'll take you back to bed. And all of a sudden, hey, it's not as dark and not as scary anymore. And I'm not running anymore. I'm probably walking. Probably because mom and dad are slow at this point. But you're walking through the house and you have courage because you know that they are with you. And you know that they're, they've got you and they're not going to let you go. And that's kind of the picture I think we have here in Joshua. Is God calls them to be strong and courageous, but he doesn't leave them to themselves to do it. He says, I am going with you. And so you need not be afraid. His presence will show up in multiple ways in the book of Joshua. Well, he'll be with them as they travel throughout the land. They're close to the promised land now, but he is going to be with them as they go into it. He'll be with them as they have to cross the Jordan River. And God has a special way of doing that. I'm not going to spoil it in this sermon. We'll save that for a few weeks from now. God will be with them as they face opposition in the land. And he will go and fight for his people. And then to top it all here, it says here in uh, verse 6, the great promise of the scriptures that he will never leave them or forsake them. And that's a promise that it's, it's so wonderful. We get to claim that as well. And we might ask, well, how do we apply that promise for us? And there's a lot of ways, but one of which we actually have in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, uh, as Hebrews 13.5 actually quotes uh, this verse from Joshua. And it says this, it says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so if you're, you flip that around, it's saying that because this promise of God is true, that he will never leave you or forsake you, you're to be content with what you have, with what God provides and be free from the love of money. Because you have God's promise and presence, you can trust Him to provide and to steward wisely the gifts He has given you and then give thanks to Him. So believing that promise that He has given us, it moves us toward contentment. It moves us toward thanksgiving. It moves us toward generosity. And it moves us away from greed. And so we have that promise. He will never leave us or forsake us. So I ask you this morning, Christian, do you believe that promise? That God will never leave you or forsake you? It is one of the most comforting promises in all the scriptures that we can cling to. Yet it is also one when we think about the implications of it, is very convicting. Because in order for God to not leave us or forsake us, he had to forsake his son Jesus on the cross. Jesus He had to suffer. He had to die. He had to experience the pain of God not being with him so that we could be in God's presence and that we could not be left for dead in our sins, but we could be forgiven of our sins through the work of Christ. It was Jesus who cried out the words of Psalm 22 while on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So this morning when we come to this table, we're reminded that the promise of God never leaving us or forsaking us, that that promise is for us because the body of Christ is broken and his blood was shed so that we would have forgiveness of sins and life everlasting and be assured of his presence.
because of all he did for us in his life, death, and resurrection. And so this morning, be strong and courageous. We have God's promise. We have God's presence. He is with us. And then finally, we have God's word. And we see that in verses 7 and 8, where we're reminded to only be very strong and be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. So God reminds them that the way to be strong and courageous comes through attention to his word, to obedience to his word, that they would meditate on it, that they would speak it, that they would listen to it, that they would have a steady diet of the word of God. So not only has God laid out the path before them, not only has he promised to be with them, he actually shows them how they're to walk in the path as they begin to head to this promised land. And often I think we, we try to make things complicated. And we'll see that this happens to the people in Joshua's time as well. And we think that some, somehow we can do something faster or better or in a more spectacular way if we do it ourselves. Maybe in a way that's contrary to God's word or maybe in a way that maybe doesn't seem to address God's word or involve it or access it. We think maybe there's a shortcut we can take to get there quicker. Or maybe there's an obstacle in the way that means we need to maybe postpone obedience. God's people had postponed obedience during the time of Moses. And therefore, they missed out on being able to go and to claim this promised land and all the things that happened during the time of Joshua. So this morning, God reminds them and us to be strong and courageous And the way to do so is to take the word of God, to be attentive to it, to apply it in obedience, to do what he clearly states to do. And that with that will come success in claiming the promise of God that is before them. You see, God's people are about to go into a land that is certainly full of violence and wickedness and all sorts of other obstacles. And they will need the word of God as they go. To stick to it, knowing that he is with them. This morning, you may be facing something in your life that requires strength and courage. And there may be obstacles ahead that are difficult. There may be temptations that are before you that are urging you to postpone obedience. But friends, remember this morning, you have his promise. You have his presence. You have his word. As we go to the table this morning, we, rem- we go as those who remember how God has fulfilled his promises in Jesus Christ. And we look forward to the promises he has for us of a new heavens, of a new earth, the promised land he has before us. And we come to the table knowing that in the meantime, that he will not let us go, that he will not leave us or forsake us, that he invites us to share in this meal as a reminder of his presence with us. And we come to this table this morning with the word of God, knowing that he has spoken to us in his word 
the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his life, death, and resurrection, and that this meal before us visibly presents to us that gospel, that his body was broken for us, his blood was shed for us. So we come and we take this meal to be strengthened by his grace and to take courage, for he will never leave us or forsake us. Please pray with me. God, we thank you for your promises that are true. That you will never leave us or forsake us. And we've seen you over and over and over again in the lives of your people uh, throughout the scriptures, throughout history. We've seen it in our own lives that you are faithful to your promises. So we rejoice and claim it this day. And we thank you that you're with us, that you've given us your word. So, Lord, we ask that you would, by your spirit, be at work in us. That we would not be afraid. That we would be strong and take courage. For you are with us. And you are for us. We'll give you the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.